Okay, let's begin. I am Lanice Antoine Shelley, and I'll be your host through constructive, healing-based conversations designed to illuminate the adoptee, parents, and the adoption curious. We center the topics around community, mentorship, leadership, and healing, so you get a multi-dimensional view that is ultimately empowering. These are the voices who could not speak when they were young. Okay, before we get into it, I wanted to share with you some new offerings. We've just partnered with Isaac Edder's company called Identity, who provides adoption consulting and short practical guide pamphlets, a practical guide to transracial adoption and a practical guide to black hair care. As a listener, you get 15% off. Just click the link in the show notes where you can find all references and hot topics that are talked about in each episode. And since you're listening, I just wanted to thank those of you who've rated and reviewed this podcast, because every five-star click helps remind these platforms that our work matters and helps me keep going. So those of you who are getting so much out of these conversations and have taken the 30 seconds to write a positive takeaway, I see you and I thank you. Those who haven't yet, now is the time, my love. Let's talk about it on Instagram after you go ahead and click five stars and write a review. Hello, hello, fam. How's your heart? The start to this week was rough for me, but it's slowly clearing up. If you've noticed that my intros and reflections are shorter, that is because I am swamped and squeeze these episodes out each week. And it is a miracle, literally. I am truly leading from where I am, which is tired and in the throes of overflowing responsibilities. However, this work is important to me. My connection with you is important to me too. So I am here just because I am doing the best that I can. As Brene Brown says, we do the best we can with the resources we have and our conditioning. So here I am. Today, I want to introduce you to this partnership that I'm embarking upon. Heather Enright, the co-founder and executive director of the Adoptee Collective, reached out to me about a possible collaboration. She and I instantly hit it off. Heather is not an adoptee, but has an in-depth perspective, having worked as a social worker for 19 years. After watching my panel series, she had the intuitive ping to leave her current job and start a journey of adoptee advocacy. The first thing she said to me was, I wait to be invited to the table. I don't expect a seat. My mind was blown. Such grace and humility from a non-adoptee. This work is about amplifying adoptee voices, and she gets it. You even can tell that by how she allows Kara to move the conversation forward. She started the Adoptee Collective with Kara Donaldson, who is an adoptee. Their organization... The Adoptee Collective is built on all the different entry points of adoption. The Adoptee Collective acknowledges the adoptee constellation and how with diverse perspectives, all aiming at the same destination, they can reform the system. Powerful stuff, right? 
Now you know why I brought both of these amazing women to chat today about how we're going to change the world. Let's go. I just want to thank you both for being on this podcast and also just get your history um, and the lowdown of how you brought this organization to fruition. Kara? Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It is. You know, it started out as a hobby, I think. (laughs) Like most things, Um, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, in the beginning. And um, so Heather's already a writer. (laughs) <laughs> and has some some wonderful stuff out there. Um, and I, gosh, had this idea to do a book called Finding Home. And um, it it's meant to center around a co- like a collaborative work of adoptees, different backgrounds, different religions, different races, different experiences, different trauma experiences. Um and how, like what home means to them. And so there's a a group of like 15 prompts and there's just three of us right now. And I'm hoping we'll add to it. Um, and then add some other fun things in between, but yeah, so we, so I had this idea and then knew, you know, have known Heather for my, just about my whole life and, um, babysat her kids growing up. Um, and we, I mean, she's an adoption social worker of 26, 27 years. And that speaks to my heart as an adult adoptee um, because she she gets me um, in the way that she thinks about adopt- adoption practice. So, and she's a writer. So I messaged her one day and said, hey, will you coach us? We're doing this thing. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> And gosh, she graciously accepted, started us off. And then gosh, we just came up with this idea for a therapeutic workbook for children called My Storybook, um, which lets a child slash an adult um, work through their story and kind of get some trauma-informed practice for their own self to regulate Mm -hmm. um, and ground. Um, So I haven't even done the workbook myself as an adult, but I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait till I have time to go through it myself <laughs> for my own story. The in my copy. Oh, yes. yes, I love it. Amazing. Picture of it and post it on Instagram. Oh, thank you. It. Oh, I sent it to her. Kara, oh, I wanted great. Lenise to have it. <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope you enjoy using it. Yeah, I love it. It's so beautiful. Isn't yeah. it that yeah. our graphic artist, our graphic designer just knocked it out of the park and now we want to use her for everything. Mm-hmm. She nailed it. You should. I mean, I was quite impressed. It's just so comprehensive. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's an educator by profession. And then she turned switch career paths to graphic design. And now she, she's based here in Nairobi, which is where I'm at. And, um, she's just brilliant. So she's done stuff for UNICEF, um, some stuff for some larger companies here, NGOs, businesses, Mm -hmm. things like that. So she's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. I, I mean, I'm so impressed when I got it. And I thought it was just going to be a little, a little tyke, 
<laughs> it's like a full on journal size book that yeah. has all of these great prompts and graphics and is clearly just laid out. It just is very exciting. I, I can't. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we burned up the Marco Polos with, hey, what if we do this? No, let's add this. Oh, what about this? (laughs) And how long did it take you to create this book? (laughs) So when did we start? September 30th is what I have in my notes. Oh, okay. Of 2020. And um, we handed it off to Tracy when was that? She worked so fast for us, like January, yeah. February. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we published, we did Amazon KDP self-publishing. So the kids version published May and the adult, the beginning of June. Okay. So like oh, that's a turnaround. Yeah. Right. You find yeah. All published. Was that hard for you? Um, so I have all I've chosen to go this self-publishing route because okay. traditional publishing has just gotten so complex mm-hmm. and it's this whole long journey of finding an agent and building a platform and then finding a publisher and you still have to do your own marketing and usually have to use your own marketing budget. So I was like, forget that. I'm just gonna do Amazon KDP. So it's self-publishing, it's uh Amazon's self-publishing branch, but it means it's automatically um, posted and listed on Amazon and you can choose which marketplaces. You set the list price. You can purchase at author's copy price. Um, you They print on demand, so you don't have to have any stock. You don't have to purchase any certain number of books. Um, your ISBN number is free. I mean, it's a free way to go. The only expense would be paying an editor and a designer if you wanted help, Mm -hmm. which obviously we needed Tracy, you know, since this is a full graphic, full bleed, full color. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just makes the most sense to me to get from A to B because you have complete creative control as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you're not handing it off, you know, this thing that you're creating, you're not handing it off to a publisher and an editor and a marketing team that are going to want to pivot or, you know, change things up. So, and you're not out anything. So as a creative, just wanting to get messages out there, it just feels like the smartest way to go. Oh, definitely. And there are so many adoptees and people in general who want to yeah. create their own books, whatever subject. Yeah. They, yeah. They give them my, give them my info. I'll help them. Cause I've, um, this is like eight, I have eight books now through Amazon KDP. Oh, really? Yeah. I've done, um, coloring books that are my own sketches Mm -hmm. and I've done narrative works on, um, the book of Esther and the book of Ruth, and then a couple of guided journals for teens and then the, my storybook. So that's so impressive, Heather. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I am all about do it yourself and to the point where it's, it's, like Lenny's let go. <laughs> there are other forces <laughs> and resources available to you. But I yeah. love the option of just getting it done because it's so liberating to know that you can actually bring it to fruition 
at your pace, on your dime. And those are the two obstacles when it comes to publishing anything. So Mm -hmm. this will really excite a lot of people. Yes, it is. I'm so pleased with the process, having done it now multiple times. And, you know, you get royalties, which most of the time, if you're a creative, um, you know, you're not in it for the money because you're not going to get rich off of it. But, um, but, you know, whatever they sell, you do get royalties off of. So I've just been really pleased with the complete control as a creative Um, And you can re-upload your, you upload it in a PDF version. So, you know, if I find an error or something, I can just upload a corrected version. And because they print on demand, the next one ordered will be the corrected version. So. Wow. Cool, huh? I'm doing it. (laughs) I have to find a subject, but I will definitely (laughs) do it. So when it comes to the title of your organization, the Adoptee Collective, how did you come across that title and and why? Hey, I want to share with you something that has changed my life. It's more like someone, my therapist. Why is she so important? Well, because I want to win in this life. I want to break through the carousel of stories I've compiled that hold me back, that keep me from expanding into my full potentiality. Stories of unworthiness, not enoughness, and even stories of questioning why I am here. I also want to stop dumping my unsorted feelings on the people around me and reacting with the same behavioral patterns that keep me stuck. Conversations with my therapist have made me more confident, clearer in my intention, and more centered in my spirit. That is why I am elated that we are sponsored by BetterHelp, where you can, from wherever you happen to be right now, match with a therapist tailored to your exact needs. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. Someone who you can text at any time and schedule online for either a chat, Zoom, or phone call. And if it turns out that your therapist isn't the right fit, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. Visit the link in the show notes, betterhelp.com, when they were young, to get 10% off the first month. You need to click the link in the show notes in order to get the 10% discount. I want to see you win, beloved. Let's do it together. Visit the link, betterhelp.com, when they were young. Gosh, yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I, in my head, when we started the Finding Home project, um, and are still very much in the middle of it, <laughs> um, it's kind of taken a back seat at this point. I hope to pick it up sometime this year. But this idea of which is it's a value of our organization. It um, is structured in our bylaws for our advisory board, like this idea of, gosh, we all have this 
we all have a story and we all, it's different experiences. It's different trauma experiences. It's different adoptee experiences, um, different religious beliefs, different nationalities, different races. And in my life, Lenise, I only know, I mean, now more now through this process, which is really one of my like not selfish, but like self-love goals is to get to know more adoptees to share experiences because I know that like that population and that subset gets me (laughs) and I can say something and they probably have a different meaning for their own life story, but to a degree, they get what I'm talking about. And so this idea of finding people (laughs) are like me and having a place where we can all belong because <laughs> that's the like that's my core thing that I, I it's like that's the thing that I struggle with is where where do I belong who do I belong to you know and those like those questions typically affect <clears throat> relationships experiences my output you know um kinds of really yeah relationships so Yeah. It's this idea that, you know, we all, there's some, there's a tie that we have together and that can bind us. Um, and that can bring us together despite our differences in our stories, you know? And it's this, like, to me in my head, it's this incredible collective, incredible, um, I don't know, just like this tapestry, this really, really, really rich thing. <laughs> and we've it, like this thing runs so deep in us and it affects our emotions and it our you know affects our thinking and our um feeling and our you know what we do in our lives and what we believe, but yet, and those things are all different, but yet there's this thing that just is like this cord (laughs) that we all have. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This aspect of community Mm -hmm. that I'm looking for (laughs) and I know we'll find on the journey. We all are. And I love the belonging aspect of it because that's huge Mm -hmm. for an adoptee. And in the work that I'm doing, with the house theater, uh, we talk about inclusivity. And I tell them that you will know that you hit inclusivity on the head and achieved it when people Mm -hmm. have a sense of belonging. Yeah. And and that's a lot of people don't get to that place, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can add as many people from different nationalities, ethnicities, creeds, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. But if they don't mm-hmm. feel a sense of belonging and ownership in the situation, yeah. then inclusivity is for not. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I so, resonate with that. Absolutely. Well, did you uh, bring this title to, or this name to Heather and, and Heather agreed, or how did you come about it? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, Heather, jump in where you want to jump in and add your bit too. Um, but yeah, I think it it started to come about with this finding home thing. Mm-hmm. And then once like finding home kind of was put on pause, we cranked out my storybook, <laughs> like nobody's business. And then thought, 
oh, you know what? Let's validate the storybook even more and make it an NGO. (laughs) And so there was kind of this natural progression of the term finding home um, because it, or sorry, the adoptee collective, because it became this umbrella Mm -hmm. aspect. Would you agree, Heather? Yeah, you came to me with it and I was, you know, of course, a thousand percent sounds great. And it it. was the idea of we have this My Storybook, which was created to be a resource, you know, for kids globally and adults globally and to be a tool for caregivers that are in settings where they're they're in the trenches with the kids in care, but maybe they're not social workers or maybe they don't have access to that type of education, but they're the ones doing the work. So it being a tool that they can use, you know, particularly Kara saw the need there in Kenya. So that was sort of the initial starting. And then we thought, well, everybody could really like this. This has a global reference for all ages for adoptees. And when we say adoptees, we also mean, you know, kids in residential care and foster care and kinship care. There's not even a word really Mm -hmm. that summarizes the kids. So for lack of that term, we just say adoptees, but well, let's do a website. You know, I said, hey, Kara, let's, <laughs> why don't we do a website to help with, you know, kind of getting yeah. the word out about this book? And then, like, and she, great. Like, Super. <laughs> so she bought the domain and I, I built the website. And that was January that we launched. Mm-hmm. And then February, uh, hey, Kara, maybe we should just be a nonprofit. What do you think? And Kara awesome. is, Kara's a yes girl, which I need because I'm a planner and I'm a little risk averse. And Kara's is like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, what's the point of doing anything if there's not a little risk involved? Exactly. (laughs) She's she's so good for me. I wish I've told her, I wish I had you in my younger years. I don't know what my life might look like, but um, so we decided February and then in the process of, you know, okay, then how do you go about being a nonprofit with me yeah. in Texas and her in Kenya? And um, so I kind of put it out there at a writer's group and a friend said, oh, there's this person I know she's founded a nonprofit. Oh, and she's in Dallas. And so I reached out to her in beginning of March and um, she said, have you heard of this? you know, Women's Nonprofit Alliance, they're an umbrella. You can get your 501c3 under them. They do all your finances and your paperwork. And um, when you're ready to incorporate on your own, they'll coach you to do that. It's just sort of a good starting point. So, well, that sounds good. Why reinvent the wheel? And Karen and I are like, yeah, let's yeah. let's do the grunt work. Let somebody else do the grunt work. <laughs> so um, we signed our paperwork on April 14th. So yeah, we were officially a nonprofit as of April 14th. And we're in the process now. Kara has an amazing friend, Leanne Kennedy, who's the um, CEO and co-founder of Thrive Worldwide. And Leanne is graciously consulting with us to build our mission and our vision and our strategy and our structure and, you know, create a really strong foundation for an organization that we want to outlive us. Yeah. That's huge. You want the organization to outlive you. That I feel is (laughs) good Samaritan. Like it's not about you, even though you started and that's, uh, they, I listen to a lot of um, 
podcast. Uh, Joan, uh, I think Gary is her last name, has a podcast called Nonprofits Are Messy. You all should listen to that one. Uh, yeah, I think we're living that. good. But she <laughs> talks about the founder syndrome, you mm. know, and a lot of founders really struggle to let go. And mm. they have an image of their legacy that they are very much attached to. Their identity is just embedded yeah. in, and they don't want an organization to outlive them. Case mm. in point, the house theater, the founder artist mm. the founding artistic director wanted it to close <laughs> when he wow. left you oh. know and just left me a mess to clean up yeah because, oh. you know but it's it's so gracious of you to think of it that way and one of the reasons why i'm drawn to your organization as a collaborator is because you all have some very interesting perspectives and i just before we get into the collaboration aspect of our conversation. I'd love to just hear how each of you are different and the perspectives you are coming from. Yeah. Do you, want, Heather, me to, do you want to start? Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll start. So I've been an adoption social worker for 27 years since 1994. I actually did my senior field placement in adoption um, in my undergrad. So I have this perspective of not being an adoptee, having not had the lived experience. Um, I've not adopted or been a foster parent. I'm the child of an adoptee. Um, and my dad actually never knew um, his true story. I've known it. I've been told it since he passed. Um, and and just in my own little tiny experience of wrestling with that, it's made me, I think that's what drew me to a career in adoption, honestly. But I've seen um, a progression in the way adoption is handled as I, I've been in the in the work of adoption as a social worker, seeing the um, understanding of trauma and how it impacts the brain, seeing the work of Karen Purvis um, in, in that, you know, in the way that adoptees ex experience trauma and it impacts their brain development and it impacts their bodies and the body keeps score and being in the work and seeing like, we didn't know this. We have, honestly, I feel that adoption practitioners and adoption practice, including foster care practice, has failed generations of adoptees, uh, as well as parents, and not really understanding the full extent of the impact of adoption and that um, love isn't enough. There's so, it's so much more complex than that. And just my own journey of understanding, um, which I knew this from the beginning, that it was messy because I, my career started with domestic, um, open, semi-open adoption. So I was in the midst of mediating conversations and face-to-face um, -face meetings and placements between birth family and adoptive family. So I was seeing from day one, I was seeing the complexity and the layers of the grief of the birth family and how that was impacting the adoptive family. I mean, just understanding there's everybody comes to this with so many complex layers and adoption is not this 
of rainbow and unicorns that, you know, we make it this, you know, as a culture, we've sort of painted this, oh, this is great and wonderful. And over the years coming to this epiphany of in an ideal world, there wouldn't be adoption. And adoption is is messy and it's a brokenness and it's there's trauma for everybody and there's um long-term impact. So that's been my my journey to to realize what can I do to change things? Who am I to think I could change anything? And I began to really wrestle with how to use my experience and my time and my life and my talents. And then this, you know, interaction with Kara, just knowing each other and the way it's grown, I feel really grateful that I get to have a seat at the table to be part of trying to change the way it happens and bring some tools toward healing for those who experienced it when it was really messed up. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Revolutionizing the systems. (laughs) How about you, Kara? What is your perspective? Yeah, these are great questions. And um, I, I really hope that (laughs) will you share this recording with us? Cause I want to write out these questions so that even as you know, the weeks go on, I can continue thinking on this and forming my thoughts. And, um, these are really great questions to think about. Thanks for asking. Um, well, I'm gosh, I was adopted at birth and my brother and I both, he's three years younger. Um, and we have drastically different stories as far as adoption stories go. Um, and we are very much night and day. <laughs> um, he, yeah. So we both grew, grew up knowing we were adopted and, um, I guess it was around probably 13 or 14. My adoptive parents sat me down. Um, and they're great. They're great. They did the best they could, um, with what they knew and the resources they had, um, that were accessible to them and, um, did the best they could. But um, they sat me down and told me kind of the nitty gritty bits to the um, story before pre-birth. <laughs> and that was really, um, I guess, foundationally kind of shook me to the core. And I dealt with this idea of, goodness, why would someone not want me? And why would they want that to happen to me? Um like this threat of abortion was very much a part of it. Um, and gosh, my birth mom, she just fought for her right, um, to choose and chose life. Um, and so I'm really thankful for that, um, in that part of my story. And cause it, there were multiple instances to that and, um, threats to that. So that, that was very, um, I guess identity, identity, this identity formation, um, wrestle, you know, and the struggle of what worth is and what identity is and, um, what, you know, why was I not wanted and why would someone want to try to do that to me? And, um, so there was a bit of a, 
like, uh, I had her on a pedestal for a really long time and, um, you know, had the, had him, my birth dad, I didn't really think of him. Um, and yeah, she was a hero in my mind and, um, gosh, I guess up until this was when 2015 met her, um, she ended up Lenise living a couple of, you know, blocks down from my, where my parents, my adoptive parents live currently. Um, and we all had no idea. (laughs) So that was just like this, what kind of a thing, um, spent some time with her over the next few years, getting to know her. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of this, this, all of a sudden this stop to our relationship, um, which was, yeah, a bummer, (laughs) a big bummer, difficult. We have some really cool similarities and, um, she's hilarious and, um, just like, pushes the boundaries and kind of a rebel at heart. And I love that. And, um, she's just fun to be around. So anyways, yeah. So that's kind of, that's my adoption story. Um, I've recently become a TBRI practitioner and, um, trust-based relational intervention through Texas Christian university, the Karen Purvis of, um, childhood development Institute. And, it's all evidence-based, um, relationship-based. It's built on trust rather than trying to modify behavior. You build connection, um, before you correct, um, children. And it's this idea of being trauma-informed, um, and facilitating deeper attachment with children from hard places. And so this, like it's, I feel I mean, it's not selfish of me to do any of this, but I, I'm like, I get a front seat at the adoptee collective at TBRI because I'm personally at my storybook because it's all helping me to work through my own stuff and my own personal development. Um, so I feel really grateful for that, but even just, you know, doing like getting to know TBRI even more. Um, and seeing how that affects my, um, internal processing and then how much of a resource it could have been for my adoptive parents, especially with my brother. Um, it just would have been a game changer. So, um, I think in, in my hope for the adoptee collective, um, and for adoptive parents, prospective adoptive parents, prospective foster parents, is that we would all just become really informed (laughs) in evidence-based practice that's trauma-informed, that builds connection um, before we do anything else. And they, like TBRI, Karen Purvis always says, which maybe, I don't know if you've heard of Karen Purvis or or TBRI. Oh my gosh, she's brilliant. She's so good. Um, She's like the guru of in today's attachment theory world. Um, and there were gurus before her, but you know, um, yeah. So she's, there's this idea of behavior is the language of an unmet need. And I think of that for so many kids, even that, um, 
gosh, I'm in direct contact with through the NGO that I'm with here in Kenya. And then also for my own story and my brother, (laughs) especially. So we're all saying something, whether it's with our, our mouths, our eyes, our bodies and our actions, you know? And so what, yeah, what do we need? And I think even for the finding home project too, um, there's this idea of, gosh, how do I define that? Because that's for me, such a like home, it's this idea of safe, like felt psychological safety, you know, feeling like you belong somewhere, feeling like you have a crew, a tribe, a, um, people that you resonate with that know you, that understand you, like I'm known and I know you, and I'm confident that you know me, you know, down to the core. And, um, Anyways, so I feel like I'm just rambling, but, um, it's, yeah, I think, gosh, I think we have a a long journey ahead of us (laughs) and, um, especially for prospective foster and adoptive parents, we have to shift the way that we think, and we have to listen to adoptees and what they say so that they can be informed in who they're caring for, you know? Mm -hmm. I just love how you are constructing your organization. It's so mindful. It's so thorough. It's so, it's so from a place of being informed. Uh, there's nothing rash about it. And I'm very much inspired by that. I'm inspired by the both of you and how you are approaching this work. And there's a wholeheartedness to it that is aligned with how I approach things that is really... Cool exciting to me. Um, So the fact that you both have such a clear perspective and a clear vision from that perspective that somehow blends with each other is is very rare and very, uh, I think, efficacious um, in your your mission. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it it encapsulates your mission beautifully, the collective. Mm -hmm. You are... uh, a variety of voices, uh, perspectives, viewpoints yeah. coming together for one cause. And that to me is a collective. And so uh, I, I love to just talk about the constellation of adoption. And, and I think that you all are acknowledging that constellation by how you're setting up your organization. And that is very mm-hmm. impressive and exciting. It's cool to hear your feedback. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's nice to hear somebody, you know, somebody else, just your, your insight and your feedback, like Kara said, of what we're, what we're trying to do. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you just like wonder, is it, is, are we on track? You know, we get each other because we've known each other for so long. And, (laughs) um, and I know Kara's parents and, you know, her family and she knows my family, you know, we know a lot about each other. So, you know, you kind of get into your own head where you're like, is this making sense to anybody else? (laughs) (laughs) And part of it is like, I know it is, and I don't care. Like, we're doing (laughs) It's that balance, right? You're just like a little bit whether other people are coming with you, but also you're Mm -hmm. rebellious and I'm doing it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I oscillate between the two all the time. And yeah, and I think it's important to be aware of what's happening in the world and the optics around what 
you're doing, but also kind of give it all the bird and say, you know what, this is my life. And <laughs> I'm going to do this with conviction, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about uh, collaborating and what that looks like, because I know Heather and I have uh, have gone a few yards down the road in this conversation, and mm-hmm. um, and I am interested in in seeing what is next for us because I definitely want to continue the conversation with you both. Yeah, Kara, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Gosh, from so this is what I've heard from Heather is that, um, one, I really want to listen to, and I'm not sure how to get access to, um, the panel discussion that you were facilitating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear that. <laughs> it's available <laughs> on Facebook. It should still be available. Okay. I can send you a link okay. Okay. on the yeah, USA page. Okay. But I believe they, Dylan Adoption, uh, Lisa put it up on uh, YouTube as well. I know it was taking her a long time because she's so busy. But uh, I will check in with Lisa to see about the accessibility on that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I need to watch it. But I don't know if Heather, if what she shared about this... um, idea of the, she was, when she was telling me, um, kind of the conversation, there was this thought and this phrase that, um, was said over and over again about don't do not erase me Mm -hmm. and how heritage, um, gets, can get lost in the mix, um, and in the story and in the practice. Um, and so, Heather, do you want to share? I don't know how, if you guys have chatted about that. I don't want to rush ahead. Um, but I, I, one, I love that phrase mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. And I really can't wait to watch that, um, that panel discussion to hear more and learn more about what's the, the language and the meaning behind that specific phrase too. Um, and hear y'all's stories. But yeah, Heather, do you want to jump right in on that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just listen, when I listened to the Facebook live, you know, and kept hearing this, don't erase me, which, you know, I told you, Lenise, just this, I had a vision in my head of like a a booklet, like a, a, with, I think Tracy could do a fabulous job with it, Um, (laughs) um, like a a very pictorial, you know, the, the resources we're putting out, we're trying to make very infographic and visually stimulating, um, so that they're useful and accessible and, and people actually want to look at them and read what it says. So the idea of a booklet, um, don't erase me where we really highlight, you know, microaggression, cultural microaggressions, as well as those things said to adoptees, like, oh, you're so lucky, you know, the ways that, people's phrasing and actions erase your identity as an adoptee and as an adoptee outside being adopted outside your race. So the idea of this booklet using the verbiage of the panel with their permission, of course, um, and then that you know, we kind of see our services and we were just talking with uh, our strategist Mm -hmm. um, in three streams, you know, the writing, the written resources, the free resources on the website that we have a whole long wish list 
yeah. and we want to, <laughs> and we add to regularly, like, tell us yeah. what you need, you know, adoptees, mm-hmm. tell us what you need, what you wish mm-hmm. you had information on. Um, and then of course the big co- cornerstone of our written is the storybook. And then the second line, which will be sort of our next tier to develop is coaching where adult adoptees um, who are vetted um, are able to coach adoption, adoptive and foster parents and practitioners that want to have that one-on-one coaching. Um, And then the third stream being training where it is, you know, it would be like, don't erase me a booklet, don't erase me as a coaching topic from adult adoptees to uh, families, and then don't erase me as a course, a training course for practitioners and families. Um, So just that's sort of our first thought is the don't erase me. And then you know, developing that as we develop our services and, you know, our strategies, um, as well as just cheering each other's work on, you know, us using mm-hmm. our platforms to, to, to promote and elevate your podcast and your work and your resources, you know, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then the other collab thing that we talked about, Kara, was the the idea of a box subscription, mm-hmm. where it, it's mm-hmm. sort of a piece, it's sort of a combination of that written resource and that yeah. coaching, um, but not as personal, you know, one-on-one, but the mm-hmm. idea of a box subscription that is, you know, really geared for um, helping with uh trust-based relationship intervention tools and techniques and and things like that and connectedness activities, Um, Mm -hmm. maybe a piece of occupational therapy where there's sensory activities because sensory deprivation and sensory processing issues are so prevalent in foster and adoptive kids. You know, it's a symptom of trauma. Um, as well as the cultural aspect and cultural mentoring um, for families that need to really be be able to help their child still feel connected to their cultural heritage. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so it feels very natural from what Heather um, already does with the the box club. <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah, she was telling me. I love about- it. Yeah, yeah, it's an extension of of that work, and, mm-hmm. and and so these boxes, I think, hearken to that point of of connecting children back to their families, or or helping them understand their culture. All of which are so important and yeah. overlooked in a lot of these families. Mm-hmm. I'm continually listening to stories that uh, involved adoptees, just not knowing their culture or or they don't like their culture because of mm. what their parental guidances have painted for them when it comes mm-hmm. to where they came from and why they have been adopted and and this mm. idea of saviorism of of a better mm. life you know that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the case and and I consider myself a successful adoption just simply because I like my mom. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. There are many things that are not happening. And I can talk to my mom about simply anything. Yeah. And she owns every aspect of the complexity of the situation Mm -hmm. in a way that isn't riddled with guilt 
but just mm-hmm. simply is. These are the facts. Yeah. The facts are yeah. that when she and I go into a store, people will always ask her first, can I mm-hmm. help you? Those are the facts. Mm-hmm. That is the evidence, you know? Yeah. And there is no refuting it. It's just simply is. And for mm-hmm. people to understand on paper what adoption looks like, adoption looks like for me when I was four, taken from my family in Haiti, brought to Northern California and said, this is your new family and mom. No, everything you learned, including your language, no longer counts. Mm -hmm. You will now speak English. You will now love, adore, and honor your mom and call her mom. And you will love all the subsequent family members Mm -hmm. she's affiliated with. You will be grateful for it. And and so that is just paint by numbers. Yeah. And uh and you can see the devastation when you just look at the facts. Mm-hmm. And even though people may look at my life and accomplishments and say, oh, this is definitely a better outcome, not necessarily. You don't know no. that. Yep. The metric for happiness is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so we cannot project that onto anyone ever, no matter who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. So this is all very great. Let's talk about some next steps because I'm thinking that I still need to introduce you to Dr. Juliana Olson-Beans because I think she'd be a great addition to this venture. Possibly that's the next step. And we can uh, we can all discuss what that means to create these boxes. Uh, she adds another perspective that, yeah. that you don't have right now, which is from a, an adoptee who happens to be a psychologist. And, and she's done all of the studies, you know, from the Amazing. doctor point of view, uh, to add to, to this education and these efforts that, that mm-hmm. are so important. Um, what are some next steps that you can think of? Um, I'm thinking just logistically from a, the adoptee collective standpoint and the capacity that's already there um, is the, I, and I don't know, Heather, if you've already talked about this and if I'm just, you know, repeating what's already been said, but um, we have an advisory board application and um it would be very cool <laughs> if we could send it to you and if you consider filling it out and um, <laughs> consider, yeah. <laughs> oh, joining, joining the advisory board. Yes, that is oh, sort of so applying str- for it. Yeah, strategically, we're in this process with yeah. Leanne of consulting and um, org building and really that what comes next for us this fall is seating our, our inaugural advisory board. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether, you know, it feels like a right fit for you or Juliana or anybody, you know, that, you know, um, just love for your brain to be thinking of who might be um, interested And the advisory board, because of the way we're structured under um, the umbrella of an existing um, nonprofit, our advisory board really, um, we've defined that as seven 
uh, a group of seven, at least five adoptees. I mean, we're so tempted to say all adoptees, but there are those, you know, there are those exceptions. And so yeah. we want to, um, serving two-year terms, mm-hmm. um, acting as counsel and accountability. Um, there's not any financial obligation. There's not any liability because we have a board of directors you know, that were under their umbrella. So the advisory board really, the functions are um, helping care, hold Kara and I accountable by reading monthly goals, reviewing um, a monthly report that sort of summarizes here were our goals for the month, here's what we've accomplished, here's our current finances, as well as quarterly Zoom meetings. You know, we want to stay virtual because we want to be global. Yeah. Um, and just serving in that capacity of counsel and advisors who say y'all are on track with your values and mission or no, this needs to, you know, this isn't, let's go this direction. Um, and we really want to seat an advisory board, you know, in the long run, we always hope that it's a diverse group of ex- adoption experiences and culture and ages and um, both genders and you know, domestic adoption, international adoption, um, foster care. I mean, we would just love it to really reflect our thoughts on a collective, you know, the being a true collection of different stories that are making sure that we're navigating the journey according to what we're trying to accomplish. Well, I'll tell you right now that I love it. Um, (laughs) That sounds very up my alley. And please send me the form. You okay. Hello. And we have bylaws and, you know, uh, that are written up. We have um, we have our values and our, uh, well, not our values because we're still hashing through that and developing that, but our mission and our vision and our first year goals and, you know, um, our qualifications, like our definition of advisory board members. So, you know, we have that to share with all advisory board um, people who are considering applying. It's a Google Doc application, and we really aren't looking to begin receiving them until, you know, September-ish because we want to make sure that we get the word out that applications, those who are applying have the chance to review everything we've nailed down with our strategist, Mm -hmm. which will happen by August. And we're Mm -hmm. really looking at onboarding at the end of the year to begin for fiscal year uh, 22-23. And you can serve multiple, our advisory board members can serve multiple terms, but um, we're just looking to, for the ability that if you want to hop out, you know, if you need to hop out, um, bringing in fresh voices as well, you know, along the, along the mm-hmm. way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this sounds great. I think yeah. that these are some great next steps to, uh, to what it is that we're trying to do. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and, and move forward with all of those things. And I'm sure we can get, um, those things accomplished by the end of the year, at least. <laughs> yeah, and our, our, our only other next step is to conquer the world. You burn know? It, burn <laughs> it down. You know, just burn one it, step above everything. Burn right. it down. You know? Burn it down. Yeah, our strategist was like, what is your long-term goal? And Karen and I were both like, burn it down. I know. Revolution. <laughs> yes, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'll be at the top waving the flag. <laughs> 
I have a lay miss, you know, and lay miss yeah. with the person's on top yeah. of the broken. Yes. Oh exactly. Oh well, I just want to ask you both because this is something I ask every guest is where in your lives can you apply courage? You know, I think for me, and I'm thinking specifically in work brain <laughs> um, and my relationships um, and being in Kenya and, you know, getting to collaborate and support Kenyans specifically and my colleagues and our team. There's, you know, I've been in Kenya for four years now and there are some things I feel like that I'm understanding more and more, some things I never will. Um, and that's okay. But this, I, this, just this idea of like being, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable never ends, (laughs) you know, and there's always an opportunity and always a step to take towards people where, um, I get to feel awkward. (laughs) (laughs) because I don't know and I don't have to know and that's okay. And that's enough. And so I think just, I'm, you know, thinking specifically in where we're at right now in our organization. Um, yeah, that gosh, I guess just being okay with being uncomfortable and being okay with being vulnerable and like saying what I need to say so that people honor value, um, and encouragement. So it's, I think that, yeah, that's in relationships because it's just, it's different and, you know, it's the differences are wonderful and the differences are beautiful. Um, and I'm feel really, really, I don't know, grateful. (laughs) to get to have that experience, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes because it's different, you know, and that's okay. (laughs) And we're all like, not necessarily trying to make up for what I see in my lack, because what we all are is enough as we are. That was excellent. I mean, any answer is the truth. You know? Yeah. 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 You're asking great questions. Yeah. (laughs) They're so good. (laughs) Love it. Heather, you? Me. Um, I can apply courage. Well, I I I quit a job of 19 years. So um at that panel. (laughs) After that panel, I'm like. Okay, next, you know, the next thing in life. I mean, I I so appreciate the experience and the people I work with and the organization that I was with, but just stepping into new things, you know, and I'm, I just turned 50. I'm at this like very reflective stage in my life. So courage and building this new thing and um, Kara pushes me out of my comfort zone, and that is a fabulous thing that I need. And the idea of being uncomfortable is so good, Kara. Like, just I'm trying to lean into I'm not enough, and that's okay. I was never intended to be the answer for everybody. No. No. Um, 
And as far as personally, it's just this, I'm at this um, crossroads with all of my kids, you know, as a mom that I've poured myself into mothering for 22 years. And that's been my identity and my purpose. And um, our oldest is a college grad and engaged. And Mm -hmm. our next one is heading to college out of state. And I forget how many days, like 50 days or something. And then the baby um, who's, you know, not a baby at all, but college visits with her and her senior year. So I am entering this whole new phase in life where a year from now I'll have a completely empty nest and a married child and, you know, a daughter-in-law. And so I feel like it, I, I can apply courage and embracing new roles and surrendering mm-hmm. my kids to make their own plans. You know, I try to tell them I chose college. I chose my spouse, you know, 26 years ago. This is y'all's turn. It's your turn to to build your life. And for me, I'm a planner and I like to be in control. So these are... These are things that are, you know, a little ill-fitting and I'm learning to lean into that, as Kara called it, awkwardness that like, okay, it's a new thing and it's going to feel a little off-putting and I may not feel like I'm enough and that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all okay. Those Mm -hmm. answers were beautiful. Thank you both so much for your time and uh, getting together today to do this. Uh, I'm sure we'll be on the emails and all of that, uh, discussing some more steps, but this was a meaningful gathering. Oh, let me say for your cool. time. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I for just want to like of your story. Yeah. I want to call it a day. Like my awesome. It's been a good <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. <laughs> so good. Reflections. Adoptees have a natural affinity for one another. We do, and I love it. An immediate bond that says, you see me and I don't have to explain a thing. Behavior is the language of an unmet need. And lastly, be aware of how people erase you. Know your boundaries and don't be afraid to stand in your story. It's yours and yours alone. All of the references are in the show notes, so take a look. I love nerding out on all of this stuff. Thank you to Kara and Heather for the start of a beautiful friendship. If you want to know what I'm up to with the Adoptee Collective, go to Instagram. And my friends, have you reviewed this podcast yet? It would mean the world to me if you did. Plus, put us at the top of searches on this topic. And we want more people to have access to this work. So thank you so much in advance. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. (laughs) This helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.